And uh, of course, we have had different conversations with one another about the Albania, about the country. But I also wanted to share, you know, a little bit more specific. And um, this week I've sent emails to two people who have been very instrumental in my life, becoming Christian and then growing up as a Christian. And uh, I'm going to read their stories as well. And then in the end, I just wanted to um, reflect. This is not a proper sermon. It's not a proper three-point Baptist sermon. Um, I wanted to reflect a little bit on the story of the leper that um, was read earlier on from Luke 5, 11 or 12 till 16. Um, 21 years ago, it's not that long, well, 22 years ago, the country just started, well, Albania started to open up. I was reading yesterday and before yesterday a little bit about the history and um, basically, I mean, for, for many of you who have prayed uh, for Albania and have kept in touch during that time, or, you know, maybe there are some of you here who have visited Albania in the past. I've met several people in the UK. They say that it was a very close country. Uh, perhaps I've said it before that there is a rumor that at one stage, as you landed at Tirana Airport, there was a big slogan saying, there is no God in this land. So the dictator managed to um, make it fully atheistic. Um, the whole movement started, actually, uh, unfortunately, it started in my city, Duras, where all the students were mobilized to turn all the religious buildings into cultural centers, sports halls, anything but religious. And um, there was this campaign against religion, which was with the, um, well, the dictator was very aggressive um, because he wanted to educate the country against this religious superstition. And um, by May 2000, sorry, May 1967, he managed to shut down 2,169 churches, mosques, cloisters, shrines, all different religious activities. People usually ask me, was there an underground church? And I say this with fear and trembling that there wasn't. People were able to somehow practice their own religion practices very secretly themselves. But we, I mean, I'm, I became a Christian in 1992, and we met only one person who really kept a secret throughout the whole communist year. So there was not um, an un underground church. The, the country is quite small. It was very controlled. But in the meantime... God was preparing people to come to Albania. Now, um, one, the lady that led me to Christ, her name is Enthia, and she is from New Zealand. She was, was 
one of the first missionaries that came to Albania. And I sent their email this week and I said, please tell me what were your first impressions? And she writes, my first impressions of Albania were the friendly border guards who tried hard to communicate with us. I was even proposed by one of them. <laughs> so from that point onwards, I knew this was going to be an interesting two years ahead. I didn't have any intention to serve the Lord in Albania, but while I was training at the Operation Mobilization Mission Training School, there was the war that broke in Bosnia. So that meant that OM was not keen to send any missionaries to Macedonia or in the surrounding areas, which left me asking God, where would you have me serve? As time went on during these three months, I was very drawn to praying with the team going to Albania. I loved their passion. The thoughts of building God's church in one's close country excited my heart. And to confirm, to confirm that, the OM Albanian leader said that he believed that I should go to Albania as well. Now, she was one of the first missionaries that came to Duras. There were others that basically, um, we've got two South African guys who came. Um, they didn't know one another. They just met at the mission training school. And again, very clear calling that God was going to call them to go and become missionaries in Albania. Now, we, we sang about grace and I want to carry on refraining that because um, I do stand before of you, before all of you here because of God's grace. But also, I do stand before of you here because somebody had answered God's call. And that's grace too. After crossing the border, we arrived in Duras after midnight. They've never been to Albania before. January the 1st, 1992. Early the next day, I eagerly headed for the streets, and my first thing I noticed, there were a lot, a lot of power lines <clears throat> and TV aerials. People had little expressions on their faces wore dark, drab clothing. Rubbish piles filled every street corner. Yet the people caught our hearts. Their generosity displayed out of poverty was overwhelming. We were welcomed by everyone. Even the local gangsters seemed curious as why we had arrived in this weird country. A pot of mountain tea was brought to our team team house each night by the local mama who decided to adopt us. So these are Anthea's first impressions. And by God's grace, they happen to be my neighbors. 
I just lived one street um, further down. And um, one of them was a Swiss girl. Her name was Ruth Geiger. And she started to talk to me about Christ. Now, in all this whirlpool of changing the systems from no religion to coming to this place of, hmm, there is a God, but I don't know. The missionaries were there. And Ruth Geiger, the Swiss missionary, she started talking to me about Christ. And uh, I remember, I was only 13, I, had, I remember the conversations that we had together, and it was very clear that if I reflect back now, I say that God was not done with Albania. It was a long time of no religious people couldn't practice and stuff, but I do remember that God was not done with Albania. And there were some things that were very clear that I remember to this day, that we did talk about making peace with God. And of course, coming from a communistic system, there couldn't be any worse than anybody else than being an enemy of God. So coming to that place that we need to make peace with God, and we can only make peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's the only one who went to the cross. He died, and he was risen again. And for them trying to explain to me these principles, these uh, teachings, it took them somewhat, I had a lot of questions. I wasn't, um, I didn't, yeah, I'm still cynical. Um, but it was very clear that God was warming my heart so I could follow Christ. And then um, in May 2012, I asked Anthea, the New Zealand girl, and I said, would you please help me to invite Jesus in my life? So we sat down in her porch and we prayed together. And I followed Christ ever since. But not only that, this was the change of systems, and I do vividly remember that I had this entrepreneurial heart. I was selling. I started off in my corner street, street corner, and then I moved on to a market, and I had a successful business. I went to school as well, as I sold. And I knew that, that was, there was a tendency and there was a lot of people who offered me to, to move on into business with them. But I knew that this wasn't the case. Now, Anthea writes, meeting Maki selling chewing gum along our street was a highlight. <laughs> I loved helping out foreigners. They didn't know the language. Bless their hearts. They tried hard to communicate. Some of them stayed for longer, some of them stayed for shorter. But I really wanted to help them because I thought, you guys have sacrificed your lives. You've come here. This is my sign of saying thank you. 
Now, Tani is an Albanian guy, and it's Anthea's husband. And he was one of the first Christians. And I asked him, what was something that drew you in Christ? He was part of the student movement now changing from communism to democracy. And Tani writes, communism had left such a spiritual vacuum, so we were all like sponge, absorbing everything and searching big time. The change of regime and the entrance of democracy left me personally unsatisfied. Of course, being part of a generation that overthrew communism was special. However, I had more questions than answers. I felt I was at crossroads, and without even realizing, I was asking, well, what's next? What's now? My first contact with the Christianity was through a translator of the missionaries, Art Dima. He invited me and my brother to a prayer meeting. It was dark, we had a big long power cut, and we're meeting at Nardi's place, and a bunch of missionaries and two old Albanian ladies were praying. It was winter, it was cold, it was mystical, and I was in awe. I've never before seen or experienced anything like it. A couple of weeks later, a 19-year-old South African rugby player led me to Christ. I did not fully understand what was going on. However, the Holy Spirit had zapped me and I wanted in. The rest of the story is one of liberation and transformation. A slow process. Dot, dot, dot. Again, grace, again coming to that place of realizing that in spite of all that has happened in the past, you're now embraced by a forgiving God who is eager to forgive you and give you the gift of salvation. I wanted to, to draw your attention and make a parallel with the story of Luke 5, 12 to 16. Um, and this was... This was one of the stories that I could think of because when we see what Jesus does to this guy, he heals him and he tells him not to go and tell the others, but go to the temple and finish with all the religious um, practices according to the um, Levitical law. I'll read the story again. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. I've got it here. While he was, this is the ESV version, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. 
When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof of him. But now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. I said it in my ordination. I'll keep say, saying like again now. I don't blame this guy. I can't keep my mouth shut. Because of what God has done in me. Because of what God has done in my country. Because of what God has done for my family. But there are... There are some reflections. I've got four reflections that I wanted to share with you. And um, they're as follows. In the story, there is the assumption that this man had some knowledge of Jesus prior to the miracles. Just as Peter fell at Jesus' feet for the shame of his sinfulness, this man falls face downward for the shame of his uncleanliness. He knew that only Jesus could do something with him. Maybe he had heard. Maybe he had seen. Bringing again my heritage, my past. One of the other reasons why I like this passage is because it's... And this is personal. It rebukes me for the difficult thing that I continue to comprehend God's grace, forgiveness, and salvation that is offered the same way to a 13-year-old entrepreneur, to an Albanian student, which was Tani, to a leper in Luke 15, and the hardest thing for me to swallow is that this same grace, forgiveness and salvation is offered to someone who has been part of that regime. Spying, persecuting, imprisoning, and even executing people because of their faith. You know what this makes me think of? Saul of Tarsus. 
Paul. The third reflection is this dependency of the leper. Lord, if you are willing, you can do it. And I don't know what the situation is with your life. I don't know where you are. But I stand here and I say, Lord, if you are willing, you can do it. You have done it in the past with a leper. You have done it in the past with my life. You're doing it in the present with my life. You've done it in the past and present with situations in my family. Lord, if you are willing, you can do it. And the fourth reflection, which is a challenge, is what did you expect when you became a Christian? I don't think it would have ever crossed my mind that when I became a Christian in 1993, that in 1992, that in 2013, I'll be part of Kendra Baptist Church. Never. I'm sure, says the commentary, Bishop Ridley, the courageous Bible translator of the 16th century, did not expect to be burned at the stake. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German Martin under the Nazis, did not expect to be hanged at 39 because of his unswerving faith in Jesus Christ. Alexander Solzhenstein did not expect when he was confirmed in faith to spend years in prison because of his beliefs. In these verses, Luke is outlining, 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 sorry, a radical Christianity. Radical means root, basic Christianity. And in doing so, he shatters so many of our false expectations about the faith. Jesus did many things that didn't measure up to the expectations of the Jews. Even the healing of the leper didn't measure up to their expectation. He preached the wrong theology according to the Jews. He was keeping in wrong company according to the Jews. And he had the wrong attitude, according to the Jews. What did you expect when you became a Christian? And my question is, are you celebrating God's grace, forgiveness, 
his salvation as a result of that. I hope this has been helpful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we have been reminded of your grace, of your forgiveness, of the wonderful gift of salvation. And we cannot come to you, Lord, without thanking you for our Lord Jesus Christ, who died in our place, who was buried, and he rose on the third day. Thank you, Jesus, that his work of the cross and resurrection make us come before you, calling you Abba, Father. We've just sang, Lord, for your grace. So would you help us, Lord Jesus, to continue to sing of your grace as we live, as we live our lives and as we try to be radical, rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.